talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Andrew Gillis. I'm your host today. Uh, this is a little bit different. Uh, the inmate is running the asylum. Stephen Means is here with me. Stephen, how are we doing? This is this is the first in, in Buckeye Talk history. Yeah, yeah. This is a result of... So, Nate, uh, just for the sake of transparency, everybody... Break the fourth wall. Yeah. Nathan and Andrew are out of town, so I was the only person on Tuesday who was at James Oronitis and Matt Grary, the new safeties and linebackers coaches introductory press conferences i was the only one there so it just it doesn't make we did this earlier with the basketball stuff yeah when nathan and i were on it just doesn't make a lot of sense for the guy who has all the answers to also host because then it's like me going hey the answer to one plus one is two hey andrew what do you think of the answer to one plus one being (laughs) two it just sounds weird so it's easier to just let me be the answer of the questions and Andrew can be the asker of the question. So we're, it's just, it's a temporary thing that happens whenever we're in situations like this, but get the text six, one, four, three, five, Oh, three, three, one, five. Everything we're going to talk about on this pod, everything Andrew is going to ask me. Well, I texted all that stuff out on Tuesday as it was happening live. Plus a couple other little interesting nitp- uh, tidbits, like the fact that Marvin Harrison jr. Was just in the Woody on Tuesday Working on the monarch as he's doing draft pet, but take it over, Andrew. You're officially yeah. the host, which means I am not allowed to talk nearly as much as I typically <laughs> talk on these pods. Uh, well, you know, first off, you know, I am out of town. I do want to add, I am not on vacation. Uh, we will have some exciting recruiting stuff coming this week. Um, so get the text again, like Steven said. Uh, you will have some very interesting and very unique kind of stuff coming to your phone over the next couple of days uh, as I am out of town and uh, and on some business. I'll put it like that. Uh, but like Steven said, uh, James Laurinaitis and McIlroy addressed the media today at the Woody. It was their first time addressing the media since they have earned their respective roles as full-time staff member. James Laurinaitis, obviously, now the linebackers coach. McIlroy, the safeties coach. Both of them addressed the media. We're going to start with James. I think everybody wants to talk about James Laurinaitis first. Just, Stephen, what, what did James say about his process and and how this whole thing went down and kind of the way that it unfolded because it was a pretty unique process with Parker Fleming going and there was an open staff's position for a while. And everybody thought, well, could Larry Johnson be the guy that they try to replace or bring in? an mm-hmm. assistant? How did James Ornitis say that this process went? So he called in December, which we texted out six one four three five zero three three one five. back when coaches were out on the road visiting players because they didn't have 10, they were able to promote James Ornitis, who was in a graduate assistant all the time up into that 10th assistant that you have out on the road. And he, he called it his a job interview. Basically it was a chance for him to get real on the job experience. Ryan day was with him at a lot of those stops. So Ryan, Day got to see up close and personal what James is going to be like in some of these settings. It was a good foundational piece for Ryan day as he was trying to figure out how he was going to use that 10th member of the staff to just see I mean, typically when you go through the job interview process, you don't necessarily get to have an on-the-job interview, right? It's just kind of you're having conversations. You're going off of what the proof is in the pudding. But James Laurinaitis has only been back in coaching for two years. Obviously, he started at Notre Dame as a GA, working with his former teammate Marcus Freeman, and then he came over here in 2022 in the GA role. So that piece of the puzzle 
was really important for both sides. One, James just getting the lay of the land. And he talked about how he's a guy who likes to be on time. And the logistics of being on the road are not always going to allow you to be on time. He's one of those guys where if I tell a a coach I'm going to be somewhere at this time, I want to be there at this time. But you run into all types of stuff when you're traveling. We all know that. So I think that part of it, but then also – there are certain things about what James Laurinaitis' job is going to be now in terms of what he's doing in the building that aren't going to change much. In terms of location, that's going to change. All the GAs are in this one room. They call it the patch, and it's like I think he said five or six of them are in the room together. They just have laptops, and it's just no windows, windowless, depressing place where you're just doing the grunt work. Keenan Bailey was just there a year ago, so he understands this as well. But now he's going to have his own office, and he does feel like – in those defensive meetings, he can speak up a little bit more than he was already speaking up because he's not a GA. He's an official assistant coach now. But when you're talking about the practice time, his responsibilities, he was already kind of working as a linebackers coach in those situations. And on game day, he was already the de facto linebackers coach because Jim Knowles is up in the box taking care of coordinator duties. So those substitutions, those rotations, who you were seeing out on the field, that's James Laurinaitis. But he was also trying to balance that with other GA work like signal calling, which he made a joke about how signal calling maybe got a little bit more difficult after some things that went on in the Big Ten this past year. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. But yeah, what, what are you talking about, Stephen? I'm not sure what you could be referring to. Listen, sometimes you (laughs) steal a sign here or there, you win a national championship. Who knows? But I think the point was he was trying to make was just because of how the dynamic of the staff was, it did sometimes maybe feel like he was doing two jobs. He was being a GA while also being a linebackers coach. But because he doesn't have any coaching experience before that, it was all valuable. He got to see every single side of it. So now that he's officially in this role, it's not going to be brand spanking new to him he's taken over a room where he obviously knows this is a big spring because uh, Cody Simon I think is the only player on this team who has played more than 100 snaps to college football when you look at how the rest of this room shapes out with CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers, Arvell Reese obviously will probably get more in the Sonny Styles element and all of this as we continue this pod but he understands he's taking over this room at a vital time when you're transitioning from having the same two starters the last two years so now you're going to need some guys to step up but because of how he's already been operating in this room over the past year it's not totally brand new yeah so i'm curious as to what what james said about this and then maybe your opinion on this too when you said it's not going to be brand new you're right not many coaches do get a test run not many coaches get to do this so what is different about 2024 for james laurinitis compared to 2023 because you know he's still going to have a hand in a lot of their linebacker recruiting he's still going to have a hand in coaching just like what changes like what are the fundamental differences from him going from a ga to the linebackers coach in a full-time role i honestly think it's very similar to what we saw with brian hartline from 2018 to 2019 where it's not official to it is official it's almost like having a real voice in the room versus in the past because even the linebackers on the roster, if you ask them about James Ornitis, he brought this up with with uh, Tommy Eichenberg and the, the three-time All-American stuff. The stuff he was as a player was very, very valuable and went a long way with some of these players because the person telling you that is someone who actually did it, right? It's one thing for Tommy to hear it from a coach. You know, that's with all due respect to coaches. But when you are a former player, more importantly, a former linebacker at Ohio State who has a three-time All-American, who better to tell Tommy Eichenberg how to be an All-American than a guy who has been an All-American at the school Tommy Eichenberg is at. So that was already valuable to the players. But I think when you're in the GA role 
and it's not technically your room, I don't it's it can be hard sometimes to talk about to just have a voice, to try to balance how much of a voice you want to have because you have things to say, but you also there's a there's kind of a know your role, stay in your lane process to this that doesn't exist when now you're one of the five assistant coaches on the defensive side you have to have a voice you have to have a voice when they're in those defensive meetings because you're in charge of the linebackers like he said you have your own office now it's your room you're going to run it the way you want to run it and I think that's beneficial for both him and Jim Knowles because Jim Knowles doesn't have to think about linebackers anymore his he's macro he's all macro now he's all scheme Figure out how to put all these pieces together while Jim, excuse me, James Laurinaitis can just worry about the individual development of guys and figuring out who needs to be on the field, who shouldn't be on the field, when they should be on the field, when to use guys, when not to use guys. So Jim Knowles can focus on more of the macro. I think James Laurinaitis spent a lot of the 2022 season already focused in the micro, but now he has control over the micro, if that makes sense. Yeah, the way that when you were talking about this, the way that I thought of it, which is if you've ever seen The Office, uh, Michael and Jim become co-managers and Michael handles the big picture things, right? Yeah. Like Michael handles, yeah. handles the week to week aspect of things and Jim handles the day to day things. And I think that that's probably the best way to say it. So basically what I'm telling you guys, if you want to know how Ohio State's defense is going to operate, uh, go watch The Office like towards the end when Michael and Jim become co-managers. Uh, I think that that's going to be very enlightening as to Ohio State. More successful, though. Yeah. Much more. Yeah, it's more it, coherent and competent. Um. Oh, yeah, probably less shenanigans. I don't think anybody's going to put James Laurinaitis' stapler in 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 Jello. Um, no. I am curious about the linebacker room as a whole. I mean, you lose Tommy Eichenberg, you lose Steel Chambers. I mean, those are two really important pieces going out the room. You're bringing in two freshmen, and that does kind of leave you a little bit bare in terms of experience. Like you mentioned, there's Cody Simon. Um, we'll get into some of these other guys with you know Orville Reese and Gabe Powers and CJ Hicks and everything like that. What did he say about the state of the linebacker room and how does he view that room right now as it stands? So the goal is to come out of the four, out of the spring with four guys he thinks he can play. And obviously in 2022, it felt like you only had two. In 2023, you had three. If you can have four this year coming out of the spring, you can feel good about where things are headed when you head into spring practice. Like I said, Cody Simon is the only guy with experience. That's the guaranteed starter. So I, this becomes a conversation about – who else can come up there with Cody Simon? C.J. Hicks, he obviously got asked a lot about the five-star recruit and the word consistency kept coming up with C.J. Hicks. And that's been the thing since C.J. Hicks got here. Is he has it and he shows it. It's just, can he be consistent? I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about C.J. Hicks and it's just like, what's not clicking? And they were talking about how in one moment, you see it. You see every reason for why he was so highly regarded when he got here. And then the next play, it's like, well, what was that? What, what are you doing? So if he can find that level of consistency, and you know what? Maybe he does it. The same thing can be said for Gabe Powers, who started to come on late last year. Arvell Reese obviously flashed some things early that year, last year, and then maybe got hurt. So maybe a full year into the system as a guy who didn't early enroll. So this is his first spring. Can he start to make some waves here? I wouldn't expect much from Garrett Stover or Peyton Pierce. Peyton Pierce isn't even participating in the spring right now. He had an injury in high school his senior year that's obviously continued over to now he's an early enrollee at Ohio State. So I just I wouldn't expect much from him while Garrett Stover, it's, you know, can that guy get on special teams? But for those top four guys, 
can all of those four guys put themselves in a position where James or not is most comfortable with all four of those guys playing. And I think CJ Hicks is maybe the key for all of that conversation right now, because this is a guy where Cody Simon has played a lot of football and so they probably won't need him a lot this spring. I wouldn't expect him to get a lot of reps, which means there's going to be plenty of reps to go along around for CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers and Arvell Reese. He t- James Laurinaitis talked about he wants to see those guys make mistakes because they can. They're going to have a numerous reps to make mistakes and learn from them because, I mean, we've we watched enough football. Linebacker isn't a position where you can just learn it in a classroom and get good at it. You kind of have to go play linebacker. And just because of how this roster has been constructed and the way they decided to use guys, these young guys have not played a lot of football. So they have not had a lot of chances to make mistakes, learn from them, improve from them, and show that improvement on the actual football field. And so I think with CJ and Gay Powers and Arvell Reese, especially with Cody Simon potentially maybe just being on a snap restriction this year, just like anybody else who's a veteran who has played north of a thousand snaps in their career at this point. I don't know if he's quite played a thousand, but it's very similar to like Marvin Harrison Jr. You didn't need to learn anything about Marvin Harrison Jr. last year. So it provided that wide receiver room with Carnell Tate and Jaden Ballard and Keon Grays and Caleb Brown and Kojo Antwi. Those guys got to get more reps than they maybe would have gotten in the fall when you had Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and Julia Fleming and Emeka Buka and Xavier Johnson out there. That same logic applies to this linebacker room in the spring. I, I want to ask about C.J. Hicks directly. I think we need to mm-hmm. have a conversation about him. So my question is, and, and I want to I want to backfill it with some with some context. Are we too hard, or are we expecting too much out of C.J. Hicks? Because He's entering his third season as it stands right now at Ohio State. And I know he's a highly rated recruit. He's got a, an elite skill set. Everybody talks about, you know, oh, it flashes. I mean, Stephen, you mentioned it, you know, with James's answer today. You see it. But you said it yourself. It's it's hard to play linebacker, and it's hard to learn linebacker when you can't play linebacker. It's like trying to learn how to drive when you're sitting in a driver's ed classroom. You, you, it, mm-hmm. you, you can only know so much. So my question is, like, are we like, have we been expecting too much out of CJ Hicks? And is this the right time for CJ Hicks to make that third year leap into what everybody thinks and hopes can be a big time role? And is James Laurinaitis the man to be able to get that out of him? So to the first part of that question, no, you're not expecting too much. This is a top 10 recruit and this is Ohio state. This is, they say it all the time. The standards are standard, man. You came here and, and with all that hype and Okay, fine. Maybe there wasn't a path for you to get onto the field early with the way that Tommy Eichenberg was playing, the way that Steel Chambers played, the way that Cody Simon played, where it's okay, it's fine that you didn't play. But Jamie Laurinaitis was also very complimentary of C.J. Hicks, and he, he is expecting that jump to finally happen this year where it does click because it kind of has to. Right. You're not really you don't have a lot of options here. This isn't the deepest room in the country. And we're not. I don't think anybody is asking CJ Hicks to be Michael Parsons or, you know, any other, you know, elite all American level linebacker. If now, if he is that kudos, I don't, I mean, it wouldn't, sh- he's a five-star recruit. Five-star recruits turn into all Americans all the time. They turn into first round draft picks all the time, but he doesn't have to be what Michael Parsons was at Penn state because the other 10 guys on the field are pretty good too. In fact, if CJ Hicks is the 11th best guy on this defense next year. But the reason why is the 10 guys ahead of him are all at worst, all big 10 level players. Is anybody going to complain? I don't think so. So 
when you say, are we expecting too much? No, because we're not expecting him to be the best player on this defense. We are expecting a guy who is in his third year, who was a five-star recruit, who you maybe can make the excuse that the only reason he wasn't on the field earlier is because there was an All-American in front of him and a veteran linebacker in front of him. But you've been in you've been in this exact defensive system. He and Gabe Powers are the only linebackers who have been here for at least three years and have never had to play for a different uh, defensive scheme. They've always been in Jim Knowles' scheme. So I don't think it's too much to have an expectation that there's an open job. The five-star recruit in year three should go ahead and win that job. And to the other part of that question, what was the other part of that question? <laughs> See, it's not so hard. To, it's not so or it's not so easy to do this when you have to remember multiple questions, is it? Uh, it was, is James no, Laurinaitis... I also is, have to come up with questions. Most of the time, right. so. Is James Laurinaitis the right guy? to get C.J. Hicks to a level that everybody thinks he can get to. I do think that that I am emphatic about. Yes. If any, if I don't think there's a better option, whether it happens or not, that's a different conversation. But I think this is the best possible option that's out there. Like I said, who better to teach C.J. Hicks how to maximize himself as a guy with potential All-American first round potential than the guy who was a three-time all-american following an all-american that's the thing he followed aj hawk right so james laurinitis completely understands where cj hicks is coming from as a guy who people were high on from the moment he got here and then like turned into everything people thought he was going to be and i I think (laughs) you know you think it but then you hear james talk about some of this stuff and it's like Oh, yeah, that's right. James Laurinaitis, he got asked a couple of things about the recruiting front, and this is really the one place where I think it's most valuable, is he is an All-American linebacker, one of the greats in Ohio State history, and he's not from Ohio, right? When we talk about Brian Hartline, that's a guy from Ohio, played at Ohio State. This is home for Brian Hartline in every sense of the word. Tim Walton... Uh, great co obviously we've been very very complimentary of what tim walton has been here but it's not like he had the football career right he wasn't a player that james ornatis and, and brian hartland were brian hartland J- james ornatis excuse me three-time all-american he's from minnesota right this is a national guy who came to ohio and turned into a stud and he was talking about on the recruiting trail that's i can like identify with some of these national guys because i did it I left home and came to Columbus and turned into this. So who better to teach you how to do that than me? Now, CJ Hicks is obviously from Ohio, so the national part doesn't play a part. But just the fact that he has been in CJ Hicks's shoes directly, following up a guy who was pretty awesome at his job, and people are expecting you to be awesome too, and he lived up to that. So I do think, yes, James Laurinaitis, who's already been working with CJ Hicks behind the scenes for the past year, is probably – the best person out there to get pull the best out of whatever CJ Hicks is going to be. When it, when it comes to James Laurinaitis's role on the staff, I mean, you look at the way that this defensive staff is structured. Larry Johnson coaches the defensive line. James Laurinaitis has the linebackers. Tim Walton has the corners. Matt Guerrero, who we'll get into in a minute, he coaches the safeties. You've got a lot of different roles there where everybody's got a position and everybody's got a um, you know everybody's got a position, and then you have the head man with Jim Knowles. So. 
What did James say about his relationship with Jim Knowles, how he sees this whole thing working and, and kind of w- the way that he sees this dynamic unfolding when he does have to, you know, be in a situation now where he has his own position and Jim Knowles can kind of be that macro guy. What, what did he say about that relationship and maybe even like how Jim Knowles has evolved over the last handful of years? I think it was valuable to to obviously not have to step in. I mean, he, obviously he's talked about this is what he wanted to do here. He wanted to be the linebackers coach at Ohio State, but I think it was valuable to have to spend another year in that GA role learning. Because like I said, Jim Zornais has never been a coach before. And he spent one year being a graduate assistant at Notre Dame under his friend, under his former teammate, Marcus Freeman. So he's, it's not like he has a ton of experience in that situation. And I think had James Laurinaitis had to spend another year as a graduate assistant, I don't think it would have meant him leaving. Now it gets, I mean, now you lock him in. So teams aren't going to be trying to pull you him away from you to be their assistant coaches, but I don't think it would have been a problem, but I think it, it was a valuable thing to spend a year learning again, learning, being given things in small pieces and potentially and now building up to where now he has to do all of it right it started with you get here you're working with the linebackers on the field in practice you're the guy on the field while Jim Knowles is up in the box you're the guy handling the rotations you're the guy doing the signal calling and all that stuff it was piece by piece by piece and now two years into this he's ready to take over a room by himself which allows Jim Knowles to do the thing Ryan Day is paying him almost two million dollars to do in that scheme We're going to talk a little bit more about James Laurinaitis later on in this show, but first we're going to take a break, and on the other side we're going to talk about Matt Guerreri, what we learned from him, how he sees his role as safeties coach, and what we think the safeties room can be moving forward, so stay tuned on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. I'm Andrew Gillis. I'm hosting today, hosting for Stephen Means, but don't worry, Stephen is here talking about Matt Guerreri, James Laurinaitis, all of the good stuff that happened today at the Woody or today on Tuesday, when we learned from the Ohio State coaches and what we learned kind of about what the future is going to be. Matt Guerreri comes in and he's had a, a little bit of different of a path than James Laurinaitis. Guerreri, you know, he's from Ohio. Um, you know, he started out with a uh, with um, with Duke. That was his first kind of major job. Um, you know, he was a safeties coach there. He became the co-defensive coordinator and the safeties coach there. He worked with Knowles. Then he comes to Ohio State, goes to Indiana for a year. Now he's back as uh, the safeties coach for Ohio State. So Stephen Means, um, what did he say about getting reunited with Jim Knowles? Because this kind of felt like a match that when Ohio State had a role on its staff open after Perriano leaves, this mm-hmm. felt like it could have been a match, and, and, and it obviously played out that way. I think what this does is provide familiarity for a room that's got some vets in it and for a defense that looks ready to take that next step after taking a pretty significant step last year because Matt Guerrero was here two years ago in 2022 when Jim Knowles arrived. He, he's worked for Jim Knowles for about a decade, so they're, they're, they're very in tune. 
No one is having to play catch up in terms of getting to know each other when you talk about the coaching staff. And you can say the same thing about the player situation. The last time Matt Guerrero was here, he was in a defensive analyst role after obviously serving as the co-defensive coordinator at Duke for a couple um, from 2018 to 2021. He's worked with safeties before that. In fact, his first assistant coaching job at Duke was being the safeties coach from 2015 to 2017 before obviously getting that promotion, the co-defensive coordinator in those situations. But he was here the last time. Lathan Ransom went through a season in the injury and had to spend the offseason working his way back onto the field. And so him and Lathan Ransom already have a great relationship. He was on the staff and helping recruit Caleb Downs. So it's not like Caleb Downs doesn't have an idea of who Matt Guerrero is already. He was a he was around for the, you know, Malik Hartford recruitment. He was here when Jordan Hancock was on the roster. We can keep Sonny Styles and on down the list here. So this is not a new room to him. Now he did admit that, listen, I mean, you still gotta you started from you're not starting from scratch, but you still have to solidify those relationships. You can't just expect them to pick up where they left off because you left a year ago. You got to continue to work those relationships. I think the interesting thing when it comes to Matt Guerrero and James Oranadis is obviously they're in the same position here. They're both assistant coaches here, but they're they got here taking very different paths, right? You're talking about James Oranadis, a guy three time All American. He can. His his proof and his validity and his credentials are in what he was as a player, right? While Matt, Matt Guerrero's credentials are in what he has built as a coach and his understanding of a system that these players are going to run. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays all both in what they can get out of their individual rooms, but then also what they can do on the recruiting trail. So you did get a bit of an update. Let's let's go into the safety room. You did get a bit mm-hmm. of an update with Lathan Ransom. Uh, let's tell the people about it. What did you hear about Lathan Ransom, and, and what do you know about spring practice? So he's participating, and uh, Matt Guerrero, obviously, a little bit of coach, be heart of the room and all that stuff. He's looked good. Ohio State actually put out a tweet later Tuesday afternoon. I, he was featured in it. So they're going through winter workouts right now. So it's not like they're doing football stuff. But obviously he had the season-ending injury earlier in last season, which forced him to miss the Michigan game, forced him to miss the Cotton Bowl. And I think he missed the week before the Michigan game as well, the game against Minnesota. But I wouldn't expect this injury to be what it was after the 2021 season when he had the broken leg and he didn't get back until literally fall camp started. It looks like, and it sounds like Lathan Ransom is already a full participant though. He said he'll leave it up to the training staff to give like a further update or, I mean, you know, the above my pay grade things, but it does seem like Lathan Ransom is going to be a participant when we get to spring practice. And and Matt Guerrero has loved what he's seen from him so far, both as a leader, but also just what he's looked like physically. Is he one of those guys who, look, I'm not going to compare him to Marvin Harrison Jr. because that's an unfair comparison to everybody, <laughs> but is he one of those guys who you can look at him in spring practice and be like, yeah, we're, we, we, we're, we're okay. You take, take it easy if you need something. Now, if he's fully healthy, you play him. But is he one of those guys where if you, if you need to work him in slowly, you're not really concerned about that, and maybe you take it a little more cautiously than you might just because you already know who he is and you already know what he brings you on the field? I think there's a list, guys, on this fence where you could say that because there are so many experienced guys. And yeah, I would put a guy who's had two of the last three years in a season-ending injury on that list of guys. No one's worried about whether or not Ethan Ransom is going to be a starter on defense. I think even the Caleb Downs aspect of this, how quickly can he pick up the playbook? I don't think anybody's worried about whether he's going to be a starter or not. I think this spring is more important about for guys like Jihad Carter, who's in his second year here, who might have a chance to earn a starting role. Malik Hartford, you know, Jaden Bonsu, Cedric Hawkins, guys 
the second and third string guys who aren't as proven, who can use these next 15 practices to get meaningful reps, to get experience, to start to make their way up the depth chart here, especially depending on what Sonny Styles is going to be doing here, especially with Jordan Hancock being the only surefire thing at nickel right now. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there is a concern about Lathan Ransom, even if we don't see him in a legitimate capacity in the spring. No one's going to come out of the spring going, oh, no, what's going on with Lathan Ransom? We're just going to think whether it's Lathan, whether it's Caleb Downs, whether you want to look in the defensive line room with guys like JT and Jack and Ty Leak and Ty Hamilton, Cody Simon the same way, Denzel Burke, Davidson Igbenosa. These aren't guys who need to be playing 75% of the reps in spring practice. Those are guys who probably could get some deserved rest, and it allows some of those younger guys to build you some depth behind them, and then let's get to fall camp, and then you'll see them probably ramp up with some of these guys that we know are surefire starters. So, I mean, when you talk about Matt Guerrero, I, I think one of the things that, you know, a lot of people want to know and that I think we're, you know, kind of fascinated to know is, like, what do you think of the room as a whole? I mean, what kind of impression did you get when you talked to him about that? Because – you know, we can talk about Lathan Ransom and, and Caleb Downs as we have and and kind of the importance of having those guys on board, um, you know, even like a Jihad Carter, who's, you know, a more veteran player. But this room is it, it's going to go down a little bit in terms of veteran play after the 2024 season. So what does he think about the health of the room and how do you think he can evolve and and help these young guys along? Because that's going to be a big part of his job as safeties coach. Yeah. Yeah, I, he wasn't too concerned about the depth. I think he 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 said that he likes where the depth is mm-hmm. for the safety room right now. And so the bigger issue becomes the recruiting aspect of this, which he point blank got asked about the fact that the guy who had his job before him had did everything right. This is one of the better safety groups in the country. This was better one of the better pass defenses in the country. But every aspect was good, except the number one thing that Ryan Day evaluates when he looks at assistant coaches, and that's the recruiting trail. So where does that go from there? And obviously, he said a lot of the right things, the relationship building, and all of those things. But I think that's where the only question mark is going to be about Ohio State safety coach. So we, we can talk about Jim Knowles and, and kind of the relationship that he has with Guerrero. But what does that time at Indiana for Guerrero mean for him and kind of moving into this role at Ohio State? Like, how, how do you think that that impacted him? And what did he say about that time at Indiana? It was only a year. You do get to see the conference and Ohio State, frankly, in a bit of a different way. What did he say about that? It let him see a different side of the Big Ten, because obviously Ohio State and Big Ten football, that's a totally different ballgame when you're talking about Indiana and Big Ten football. He obviously got a chance to go up against Ohio State last season to open up the year and it allowed him a chance to get the scheme up against Ohio State to actually reveal what some of the game plan was in that game and a lot of it was take away Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka's ability to make chunk plays which I think he did in that game Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka were both very much limited in that game so that that was a big part of things but also getting out of this system right he's been dealing with the Jim Knowles system for almost a decade so it let him kind of spread his wings a little bit before coming back here and get some experience elsewhere in the Big Ten before he came back to Ohio State. So the the last thing I want to touch on with Matt Guerrero is specifically is he is in a secondary room with Tim Walton. And Tim Walton is obviously on a remarkable heater right now. Um, you know, he's bringing in five-star prospects left and right. 
How do you think that that dynamic is going to work? And what did Matt Guerrero say about Tim Walton and kind of how they're going to handle things in the secondary? Because both of them do a little bit of recruiting. You know, I know Tim Walton, he's recruiting number one safety for him Delane. You know, he's the, uh, he's the number one safety in the country. He's a five-star player. How do they see that role kind of evolving? How do they, how do you think that tandem is going to work? I think that part of it isn't going to change in terms of dynamic between what Guerrero and Tim Walton are in comparison to what Perry Eliano and Tim Walton were, right? The last two times, two off-seasons, I believe, Ryan Day has given Tim Walton a promotion and name. And it's basically a situation where Tim Walton's in charge of the sec- secondary, but Matt Guerrero is in charge of the safety. So there's obviously going to be times when the cornerbacks and the safeties meet together. There's going to be times where they meet separately in those situations. But it is a situation where it does feel like Tim Walton – I don't want to say he's Matt Guerrero's boss because Jim Moles is the defensive coordinator in that situation. But it does seem like the dynamic between how the safeties and the cornerbacks are going to work together both on the field but then also in meeting rooms. If there was a hierarchy for the sake of the, answering your question, Tim Walton's probably higher in that hierarchy. And that's a combination of experience but then also just success at Ohio State so far. We've talked about James Laurinaitis. We've talked about Matt Guerrero. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things that bind them together, a couple of players that bind them together when we get back from the break, back on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Andrew Gillis hosting today with Stephen Means. Like I said, we've talked about James Laurinaitis. We have talked about Matt Guerrero. We've talked about their individual roles on staff. But one of the things that they do have in common is that CJ, or excuse me, is that Sonny Styles is a player that both of them I'm sure would love to have in their room and is a player that, you know, when you look at what he can do on defense, he's a dynamic athlete. He can run. He's big. He's physical. They've tried him in a lot of different spots. They've played him as a high safety. They've played him in the slot. He's played in the box a little bit. This is a unique case, Stephen, and I'm curious what both of them said about Sonny Styles and how they see his fit into Ohio State's defense, especially when you have Caleb Downs and Lathan Ransom, what is that going to look like for 2024 for Ohio State? I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch over the next nine months is where is Sonny Styles? I think it's going to be a combination of having conversations with James Ornitis, having conversations with Matt Guerrero, having conversations with Mick Marotti and where Sonny Styles is physically having conversations with Ryan Day, with Jim Knowles, but more importantly and most importantly, where does Sonny Styles feel comfortable in all those different things? The name Isaiah Simmons was brought up by James Zornitis once again today, which we know what that was when he was at Clemson. This was a safety, but sometimes he was that linebacker. Sometimes he was off the edge. The idea of we're not really sure what Sonny Styles is because he could be lined up anywhere at any time. But then the idea of what's best for his future, which James Zornitis kept saying, a couple of times. I thought James Laurinaitis was lobbying for Sonny Styles to be a linebacker today. Now, granted, Matt Guerrero was also lobbying for Sonny Styles to continue to be a safety, right? So that's what's going to happen. I mean, this is one of the better, most talented players on the team. You're going to lobby for him to be in your position room. But to the name Isaiah Simmons, he did all that at Clemson, and then he got to the NFL and what they turned him into. They turned him into a linebacker very quickly with the Arizona Cardinals, and it hasn't necessarily stuck for him. I, I don't believe he's with the Cardinals anymore, but that was always the long-term future there. So if the long-term future for Sonny Styles is that linebacker, maybe that's the case to make him a linebacker. Maybe he does. And now this comes down to what do you think about the other linebackers, right? Does C.J. Hicks take that jump that you're expecting him to take? Does Gabe Powers make a jump? Does Arvell Reese make a jump? Or maybe none of them make a jump, and you get to the end of the spring and you feel like C.J. Excuse me, Sonny Styles 
and, and Cody Simon give you the best tandem at linebacker. So maybe you move him to linebacker. Or maybe you figure out some co- configuration where it's very similar to what we saw last year, where Sonny Styles may be your starting nickel, but depending on who you're playing, depending on the scenario, depending on the situation, he's not on the field and Jordan Hancock is on the field. But we've all probably agreed that Ohio State's best defense has both Sonny Styles and Jordan Hancock on the field together. So there's a lot of moving pieces for Ohio State to figure out here. Do they just give Sonny Styles the full 15 practices in the spring to figure out, let's see if you can do this linebacker thing. And if not, we can just move you back because he has enough experience playing safety that I don't think it would do too much harm if he spent 15 practices as a linebacker then move back to safety. Or is it a situation where we just see him all over the field, depending on what the down is, depending on what the scenario is. But it does seem like, at least the way James Laurinaitis was talking, even though he never came right out and said it, he would love to have Sonny Styles in his room. But like I said, it's going to be an interesting thing to continue to watch both of these guys fight for Sonny to be in their room, but also where does Sonny Styles best fit in terms of what is best for this defense, but most importantly, what's best for Sonny Styles' future as a football player. Yeah, and and you mentioned the name Isaiah Simmons, and and I think that you know that's a really interesting case study because you said he gets to the NFL and immediately they're like, oh well, you're a linebacker. Uh, we need to play you at linebacker, and you do fall into this worry with Sonny Styles where it's he can do a lot of things, but he can't do one elite thing, and it's a little bit like a five tool player in baseball where. You know, if you know, if you follow baseball, you know, you hear that term, oh, well, he can run, he can hit, he can, you know, he can feel, he can do everything. He can do everything. You know, that, that's the great thing about him. Well, if you can do everything, you got to find a way to make him do everything, right? You know, you got to find a way where he can do everything because otherwise you're either not using him to his potential or you're not putting him in a position to where he can do all of these things that kind of make him elite. So I am curious what they do there. It's just, the Sonny Styles thing, it makes it so interesting because you look at the the linebacker room and you do run out of numbers. So, like, how do you think that, that room can coexist? And how, you said James Laurinaitis was basically pining for him. Like, how do you think that James views that room? Or how do you think it may be some impressions that you got from what James's ideal linebacker scenario would be if indeed Sonny Styles becomes a linebacker full time? He wants four or five guys who are right. game. By the time you get out of the spring, I don't think it throws off the room at all. There's not a lot of bodies in that room just because you've mm-hmm. had to graduate. Obviously, Reed Carrico transferred after the season as well. Mitchell Melton has now moved to defensive end, which brings in like the Jack conversation. But that kind of got shot down again, again today as well. The idea of what the Jack can be in 2024. So you're dealing with right now, officially, from what we know, Cody Simon is a linebacker. That's one. CJ Hicks is a linebacker. That's two. Gabe Powers and Arville Reese. That's four. And then you've got the kid who transferred from Northwestern. I'm, I'm, his name is escaping me right now, but that's five. But his name didn't necessarily get brought, brought up on Tuesday afternoon either. And you've got the two freshmen and and Garrett Stover and, and Peyton Pierce, who you're not really expecting much out of. So you've got seven guys in the room, but you've only really got three who right now you feel confident maybe they'll be in the mix to have play football. And then Arvell Reese, right? So that's four guys. But it's more like you've got Cody Simon and a bunch of question marks. So right now, I don't think it would be a problem to add Sonny Styles to that list of question marks because you you got you know who your starting Mike linebacker is, and you're trying to find out who your Willie is. You're trying to find out if you need to go three linebackers. Who's the third linebacker you put out there? But you probably just want to have four. You want to have a two deep. 
And right now they have one player and a bunch of question marks. So I don't think throwing Sonny Styles into that mix would throw things off. In fact, it just gives more variables for James Laurinaitis to think about, which is probably a good thing going into the spring. So the other thing, too, that, that's really big for both of these guys is the recruiting aspect. Um, you look at where the defense is, you know, for as much as we've talked about the defensive, uh, the defensive line recruiting and, you know, Larry Johnson's age and how other programs kind of use that against Ohio State or try to use that against Ohio State. He's still bringing in quality players. You know, they still brought in a five star player in Edric Houston, who Ryan Day said is a day one type of player now. I think he might be a day one type of player in a lot of programs that are not named Ohio State or in a lot of programs maybe that, you know, don't have the type of players that, uh, you know, Ohio State does with Jack Sawyer, JT Tumalau, or even if they had gone to the NFL and then you're talking about a situation where maybe Andrew Houston can see some time. Um, but Ohio State defensive line, they still recruit pretty well. The cornerbacks, I mean, it's it's hilarious how good their their cornerback recruiting is and and kind of what they've done over these last two or three cycles. Then you get to linebacker and safety, and those are probably the areas that I think when you look at this defense where you really want to see some uptick. How do you think, or how did they, hey, I'll start it like this. How did Matt Guerrero and James Laurinaitis discuss recruiting, and what is their philosophy on starting this new gig with recruiting? Because it's a pretty big-time job for them, considering that the rooms that they're going to have to take over, they're going to need some elite talent here pretty quickly. Yeah, I kind of touched on that with James Laurinaitis. I think with him, it's this is a guy who's done it. Right. This is a guy who's not from Ohio, who came to Ohio State and turned himself into an elite football player. And so he can sell that. He can sell that as a, a point. He can sell the the building relationships part of this. And I think the example he used was, yeah, I want to be there in the green room with you when you go to the NFL draft. But I also want to be the person you call when you get married. Right. There's the two sides of this coin. It's like you're building a relationship with someone, but also you're showing them why you're going to turn them into a great football player. And so now I think we're all just on countdown. For when, like, the, oh, that's because James Laurinaitis is here. Recruit happens. Peyton Pierce, we said that. But he was a GA in that moment. Peyton Pierce, a highly rated recruit. But it's not like Peyton Pierce was a top 25 player in the country. And I'm not saying that to chastise Peyton Pierce or look down on that recruitment. That's a big deal that a guy who, quite frankly, could not leave the campus to recruit him got that kid to come play for the school. Convinced that kid to come play for the school he was at twice, basically, because he had him convinced to go to Notre Dame as a kid from Texas and then convinced him to come to Ohio State just because he was at Ohio State. But I think that's what we're waiting on. You're seeing it with Tim Walton right now, the Devin Sanchez's and the Eve Offords, right? You saw it in the 2024 class with Bryce West and Aaron Scott. These types of guys where it's like, oh, they're getting these kids because Tim Walton is here. You've seen it with Brian Hartline since 2019. Oh, they're getting this kid because Brian Hartline is here. Larry Johnson has a long history of getting kids simply because he's Larry Johnson. Tony Alford's even gotten a few of those guys, whether you're talking J.K. Dobbins or you're talking Travion Henderson most recently here, and now you've got James Peoples kind of in that same boat of these guys who are only here because this assistant coach is on this staff and he did it better than anybody else. So I think it's just a countdown to see when James Laurinaitis actually pulls that off. It's probably a big deal that he does it in this cycle, Right, because Cody Simon is gone after this year. We've been talking a lot about CJ Higgs, but what if CJ Higgs is everything people thought he was, and he's a three and done player? Then all of a sudden you're replacing your starting linebackers again. Sonny Styles might be a three and done player regardless of where he is, so maybe you're still replacing both of your starting linebackers after the season. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can do it in his 2025 recruiting class. And the same thing with Matt Guerrero, because he's not starting from scratch. He's helped recruit some of these 2025 guys when he was here the first time. In fact. He was on the staff when a lot of these kids were getting offers coming to camps that June. So it's not like he's brand 
new to this, but as we've talked about, they finished second in some races at safety at some times. Whether you're talking Caleb Downs, I don't know. I I wouldn't say they finished second with KJ Bolden, but you came up short back to back years for the top safety in the country. And now you're in a situation where you're in the race once again. You're probably the favorite right now for the top uh, safety in the 2025 class. Can he close the deal in a way that we didn't see the last two years? Even if Nick Saban's retirement allowed you to win with Caleb Downs on the back end. The question is, you've been in the race for these five-star top-tier safeties for the last three years. And you haven't, you didn't win. And this is a business of wins and losses. Is the difference between whether you win or lost now, is that now Matt Guerrero is here? So does that mean that that five-star safety does come here? Does that mean that that top 100 safety does come here? Do we see an uptick in that area? And these are questions that are going to be answered. He talked about how the first thing he did was he got hired 24 hours later. He was in Georgia sitting on Caleb Downs' couch, solidifying that, right? But that's a transfer portal thing. Can we see that pay off on the recruiting trail with some of these 2025 guys? You know, with recruiting, you know, one of the things that you always hear recruits talk about and maybe more accurately recruits families talk about is that they want the people that are recruiting them to be themselves. You know, they don't like when it feels like they're being marketed to when they're being sold and and it does it feels like the guy's not being authentic. And both of these guys have very different backgrounds, so they have to approach recruiting in a different landscape, right? Like you mentioned it earlier, James Laurinaitis is not from Ohio, but he played at Ohio State. He's got the background to say, look, I was an All-American here. I came here from out of state. This worked for me. This can work for you too. I was an NFL player for a while, had a good NFL career. You know, he's got the background in that regard of the professional background. Macarary doesn't really have that. Um, you know, he's from Ohio, but he played at Davidson. You know, he didn't play his college football in not at, let, let alone Ohio State, even in the state of Ohio. Um, then he goes to coach at Duke. How did you get a glimpse today, Stephen, into what their recruiting styles are going to be and how they're maybe going to match on staff? Because again, with Laurinaitis, it's hey, look, look at what just it's the Coach Carter quote where it's like, hey, look, you know, if you want to know my resume, look at the wall behind you. It's on the wall. Like that's James Laurinaitis at Ohio State. With Macarrari, it's a little bit different. So did you get a glimpse into that at all? Yeah, I think his is, it's going to be a relationship thing, and it's what I know, right? He's like I said, he's been in the system for a decade, so he knows it. He knows the ins and outs of it. But then after that, it's just building relationships. It's just getting out there and you know, putting your feet to the fire, quite frankly, and going that extra mile with some of these guys. Because you're right, he doesn't have what maybe you know, James Orenides has, or what Brian Hartline has, or what Tim Walton has, right? As former players or who can who lived it, who are who lived the thing they're selling. But, you know, there's plenty of guys on the staff who didn't live it, and they're doing pretty well on the recruiting trail as well. And this is a safety-driven defense. They want to put three safeties out there. So this is a guy, like I said, it's what he knows and then his ability to build relationships. Well, Stephen Means was out there at the Woody Today talking to James Laurinaitis, talking to Matt Guerreri, getting the lowdown on everything that's going on with Ohio State's two latest coaching hires Two very important hires, both on the field for what Ohio State wants to be in 2024 and for future Ohio State teams. They're going to have to be significant recruiters, and I think that a lot of people are very excited about that. So thanks again for listening to Buckeye Talk. That was an episode where we talked about James Laurinaitis. We talked about Sonny Styles, We talked about Matt Guerrero. We talked about a lot of different dudes. And if you want to know anything more about that, get the text 
3315. Steven was texting out all of this information as he was learning it. You get recruiting stuff, you get national news, you get anything you want to know from uh, from our tech service. So thanks again for listening. And that was Buckeye Talk.